All right, welcome back. So, um, kind of an interesting week in basketball, I guess. I mean, there's a bunch of rumors going around. Um, Bradley Beal officially became a son. Um, talks are going on with Draymond Green. What's he going to do? Damon Lillard talks are heating up, even though, you know, the Trailblazers said they weren't going to take any calls for Damian Lillard. But now Damian Lillard's like, no, I mean, like, come on, like, let's take calls. Um, but nothing really that I was, like, too interested in talking about just because, like, I've kind of been through it before. Um, last Friday, right? Yeah, last Friday, I got to go to Cincinnati for the Reds game against the Braves. I think it's the most electric game. I don't know. I'm not keen on baseball, but um, might have been the most electric game of the season for baseball. I'm not 100% sure. Um, so I wanted to talk about that experience. And then I started thinking, okay, so I'm not going to really talk about what's going on in basketball. How can I make this around basketball? And then I start to remember, well, not really. I start thinking, I'm like, what can I do? I'm going to talk about the Reds. And then there's not much I can do after that. I'm like, I can talk about. Ohio basketball, I guess, and do like a Cleveland Cavaliers thing, but then I was like, no. Um, then, I, then it hit me. Oh my God, the Kings used to be from Cincinnati. They were the Royals, so I decided I'll turn that into. I'm not really an excuse, but it's my my reasoning for doing an all time and all prime Kings roster. So, um, yeah, we're gonna do that. But first, I'm gonna talk about the game. So let's go ahead and hit the music. You're listening to The Assist with Trevor Hart. Alright, the Reds game. Incredible um, for me. I've only been to one Reds game before, and it was on a random Wednesday, I think, and no one was at the park, and they were playing the Giants, and they got crushed. Um, and that was before they traded... Winker, Suarez. I mean, they're, they're still, they looked like a decent team. I think they still had Castillo. I don't think I got to see him. But, um, yeah, they got torn apart by the Giants that game. Um, but yeah, I've been to only one Reds game, or technically two, because when my mom was pregnant, she went when, when she was pregnant with me. Um, but, you know, I don't remember that, so I'm not going to say I went to that. Uh, so I've only been to one. I went to a Tigers game earlier this year, part of a sport management club over at Trine. I was the president of the club. We had a really cool week where on a Wednesday we went to South Bend to go see the South Bend Cubs. Amazing time, one that I'm not going to forget. Um, just some hilarious stuff happened. It was a good game, too. I mean, honestly, I mean, great game, good people. I mean, it was awesome. Then that, that same Saturday, we went to a Tigers game, and they are playing the Giants. So I was like, okay, I'm just destined to watch the Giants forever, I guess. Um, amazing game. Um, not too many people there, so we, so we got to move up and sit in the shade, which was good for my friend Ryan because he was so burnt. From <laughs> We went golfing the day before. So burnt. Um it was whole, it was how pink he was was ridiculous. Um, but it was a good game. Uh, it was the game where Miguel Cabrera hit a walk off, uh, single, except that we weren't in the stadium for it. We were like a block away when my same buddy Ryan was looking at it and he's like, Oh my God, they just subbed him Miggy. And we we're like, you've got to be kidding me. Cause we're, cause all we were saying is like, dude, I just want to see Miggy. Like, that's all I want to see. And then, like me, I didn't really care as much. But I mean, I had a tiger. We had a Tigers fan with us, so you know, I mean, it's Miguel Cabrera. I mean, of course, I want to see him. Um, but we were like getting in the car, like getting ready to leave the parking lot, and he's like, "Dude, they just put in Miggy for pinch for a pinch hit." Oh my god! Oh, he just hit a walk off. <laughs> we were like, "Come on!" So, um. I don't want to say my baseball experience for Major League has been bad, but, you know, I've seen the Reds get stomped, and then I missed a Miguel Cabrera walk-off. 
not definitely not batting a thousand. So I get the opportunity. My buddy JT texts me and says, "Hey, you want to go to a Reds game coming up soon?" I'm like, "I was like, uh, yeah, I pretty much have nothing to do." So um, after getting stuff figured out, get to go. Um, we showed up to the gate like maybe 10 minutes for first pitch and the line was so long getting it was sold out sold out game um an unbelievable experience so we get there we get through the gate with like four minutes to first pitch but we're on the other side of the stadium we're sitting in left field so we're going around you got to get through all these people because it is the concourse is pretty open but it's the lines that aren't kept up as well to where people are just standing out in the middle waiting for a hot dog. And you're just trying to get to your seat. We get to our seat. We're scooting in our seat as Ronald Acuna hits, I think, a leadoff double. I think it was. And everyone, and I think I was the only one in our group to notice it because we were like, all right, we got Acuna, let's go. And I'm like, guys, Acuna's on second or maybe it was a single i was like acuna's on base and they're like oh, crap um braves put up a five spot in the first inning and the reds are on a 10 game win streak when we were there no they're on 11 so they're looking for a 12 game win streak uh would have been i think the first the reds have done it since like 1958 i believe so um, the whole time when we were driving up, we were just, me and my friends, we were just like, um, I want, like, we were all excited to see Ellie De La Cruz. I mean, he's the the best prospect in baseball and he got moved up like not even a month earlier. So we wanted to see him. He's electric. And then we were like, I want to see Joey Votto hit a home run. Joey Votto just came back from injury and I think he's. He had hit one home run so far in the year in a couple games. So, I mean, it was not out of the realm of possibility, but we were like, that would be the perfect night if we could see Ellie hit a home run and Joey. Reds start to come back. They tie it up in the fourth. Um, Ellie did, in fact, hit a home run. He hit, like, a single first off. or No, he started off a double. It was, like, a foot short of being a home run. And I'm in line getting a hot dog with my buddy JT. And we just hear the loudest screaming. We're assuming he hit a home run. And then all of a sudden, we're in, you're in the stands. And then when Ellie is up or when he gets a hit, anything, the whole stadium, Ellie, Ellie, Ellie. Something that I did not think I would ever be able to witness because when I think of like people chanting their name like that, at, at that sort of volume with that many people, I think soccer. I'm not a big soccer guy. I don't think I will. Soccer wouldn't be my first choice to go and watch. So t- for me to witness that was amazing. Um, Ellie hit for the cycle, which is unbelievable. He's not even a month into the majors. He hits a cycle. Um, Amazing. Joey Votto, two home runs. Um, could not have been a perfect night. A more perfect night. Um, it got scary there in the eighth inning because the, the Braves started to come back. So the Braves put up five in the first. Reds put up two in the second, three in the second, and one in the fourth. So we're tied. Braves put up two more, so it would be 7-5. Cincinnati puts up a four spot, so that makes it 9 Seven. Then the Reds put on two in the six. It's 11 7. All right, let's go. We're winning. Braves put up three in the eighth, which is really scary because that Braves team is just full of people I have heard of before. And that's kind of impressive because I have not been following baseball for a couple years. I haven't really followed it to begin with, but like I knew faces around the league. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzie Albies, Austin Riley, Matt Olson, uh, Darno, Rosario. These are all guys I've heard of. 
And when I go over to Reds, I have heard of India, De La Cruz, Votto, and uh, Tyler Stevenson. That's why, like, the Reds is my team. Like, they're they're the closest one to me. I know that shouldn't really determine fanship. It kind of should. But, like, my family's been Reds fans. Um, When I was in Little League, I wore number five, my dad, and I was catching. My dad told me, oh, you're Johnny Bench's number. I'm like, okay, don't really know who that is, but I will go for it. Um, And Johnny Bench has become one of my favorite people. If you don't watch his clips from the Dan Patrick show or anything like that, uh, he did like a catching uh, master class on like an MLB postgame show. Johnny's awesome. Johnny is an incredible storyteller. Um, And then he's kind of my gateway into learning about the Big Red Machine, probably the best team baseball has ever seen, you know, with Pete Rose, Joe Morgan, Johnny, obviously. Uh, Geronimo, guys like that. I I bought a Johnny Bench shirt when I was at my first Reds game because I'm like, dude, I, I love Johnny so much. I'm going to get a shirt. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, that's my home team. And I know, I knew four people. I also knew Hunter Green, but Hunter Green was injured. Um, so, yeah, like, that's, this Braves team is scary. Really fun night. I ended up uh, buying, because that the night that we went, they were wearing their City Connect jerseys, which are, like, all black with the red le- outline lettering. They look awesome, by the way. Bought a shirt. Um, they had one where it was Joe Morgan in that City Connect. I'm like, boom, I have, I got to get it. I just, I got to. Um, amazing. Got to see my boy John K, which is crazy. John's originally from Michigan. I didn't even know until he told me he moved to Ohio. Um, the the odds we were at the same game because he was like a month ago. Uh, his girlfriend asked if he wanted to go to a Reds game against the Braves, and he was like, "Yeah, sure." We got our tickets like th- two days before the game. Maybe three, two or three, but it's crazy. Didn't even know know that he was going to be there. And then all of a sudden he posts on a story that he caught a uh, foul ball from Ronald Acuna Jr. And I'm like, yo, you're at the game. So we meet up, we talk for a couple minutes. Always good to see John. I mean, John was the second student broadcaster I ever worked with. Uh, but that was like my big... I don't want to say my audition moment, but it was a time to where I mentioned it. I mentioned it in plenty of episodes, but Andy Brown and John K were like the guys you did not get on with those guys unless, you know, you had it. Um, and it was during MIAA tournament basketball. I was doing good on games and it was a time where I did one game and it wasn't guaranteed from then on. I did a game with Andy and uh, Kelsey Taylor. But after that game, Andy says, do you want to be on tomorrow with me and Brooke? Because uh, you understand the game. I think that you do a good job explaining it. And um, that's something that we need. I said, yeah, absolutely. I do good enough that night. I then get asked for Friday night, do you want to be on with me and John? I mean, you say yes, but, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, my God, am I, like, ready for that? And he says, you'll be fine. Just pick your spots. Well, you'll be fine. Do good that game. And then Saturday night championship game, I'm on the call with Andy and John for a second night. And then I start to do softball with John. We become really good friends then. I do Storm Center with him. I inherited Storm Center from him. And then when he came back for an extra semester, he was back on Storm Center. And we start, We kept doing games. Um, I did John's last hockey game with him. I did his last basketball game with him. I did... I'd have to do his last softball. No, I didn't do his last softball game with him. He was with Andy for MIAA. But, um, love John to death. I mean, without John, I'm not what I was as a broadcaster. I mean, he was a guy who made me push, for sure. Him and Ben Wangard made me push because I'm like, I need to, I need to get better. Um, 
and they were he really showed me the way um awesome seeing him crazy how the, again i'm not i'm from indiana he's from michigan he moved to ohio so it kind of makes sense i've been to two reds games this is my second reds game and he's there incredible um well yeah crazy night absolutely loved it um Again, watching Ellie De La Cruz is amazing. He's a giant. Like, you look at him, he's he's over at third base, and he's like a foot taller than everyone else. And, my God, um, incredible to see. And, um, yeah, not going to forget that game for a while. Channing Ellie's name, I got a video of it, and I posted on my Snapchat. Oh my god, like, when I first heard it, it took my breath away. I'm like, whoa, what is going on? Like, again, I just didn't think it'd be something outside of soccer that would happen like that. Um, legendary game. Uh, the Reds lost the next day, but <laughs> I didn't care. I went to it. It was their 12th straight. Um, Ellie hit for the cycle. First time since... Um, I forget who it was, but it was the first Reds, first Reds player to hit for the cycle since 1989. Awesome night. Um. Yeah, never gonna forget it for a while. Never gonna forget it for a while. That makes sense, Drew. Uh, never gonna forget it. Awesome night. Awesome people. Glad to see John K. Um. That was a heck of a moment. So, um. Again, with that, I started to think, how do I make this about basketball? The Kings used to be the Cincinnati Royals. Well, they actually used to be the Rochester Royals, then moved to Cincinnati. They were there for, let's see, I had it pulled up here. Sacramento Kings. They were in Cincinnati from 1957 to 1972. So, 15 years. Uh, then they went over to Kansas City, Omaha. They were the Kansas City, Omaha Kings for three years, and then they went just Kansas City up until 85, where they moved to Sacramento, and they've been there ever since. Um, I've done this before. I've done it a few times. I did it first with the Heat. Then I want to say the Lakers, then the Jazz, then the Bucks. Where I've done all-time teams. And my explanation may be a little weird, but for all prime, at least. All-time makes sense. It's just what's the best roster you could come up with for the Kings? Like, who are the best Kings players in uniform? Like, these guys, they mostly in their prime when they were with the Kings, or, like, they had their best season. Well, that, duh, that's their prime. Who did really well in a Kings uniform. That's all time. All prime is where it's guys to where maybe they were with the Kings too soon or too, too much after their prime. Or maybe they were there for a season. It's the guys to where I look at them and I go, what if they were on the Kings in their prime? Um, one of the examples from the Heat, Gary Payton was on the Heat for, I think, his last year in his career. He wasn't that great with the Heat, but imagine if you took, like, just say, 96-97 Gary Payton, or no, 95-96 Gary Payton, when they went to the Finals. What if you took him, put him in my Miami Heat jersey, and threw him in a roster? Now, take, I kind of messed up on the Heat one because I also put Dwayne Wade in there. But uh, here, I will pull up <laughs> another one, and I will see the example I can find. Let's see here. Uh, Lakers. All right, all prime. Your point guard's Russell Westbrook. Take his MVP season. You throw him in a Lakers jersey. Boom. Um. Wow, I still mess this up. All right, hang on. 
Let's go to the Bucks one, because I know I did that one sort of right. Yes. All prime Bucks. Again, Gary Payton was on the Bucks for like a year or two. Wasn't that great. What if you put him in his prime? What if you had prime Jerry Stackhouse? Adrian Dantley? Pau Gasol? I mean, Pau Gasol was there at the end of his career. Take like 09 Pau Gasol, pick him up, place him in a Bucks uniform. What do you think it would look like? Most Malone was on the Bucks near the end of his career. Alex English was on the Bucks. I think the beginning of his career. DeMarcus Cousins was on the Bucks at one point for like a season. Take all these guys and put them in there and say, this is what an all, if these guys were all in their prime, it'd be an amazing team. Guys that you don't really think of when you think the Lakers, just do that. Okay. So the all-time Royals slash Kings. Starting out, I got to go point, I mean, we're, we'll go down the order. 12-man rosters. I did a bad job explaining that, but hopefully it, it'll make sense here. My all-time Kings point guard is Oscar Robertson. Without a doubt in my mind, Oscar Robertson won his MVP with the Royals. In his time with the team from 61 to 70 in 10 seasons. Let's see here. He averaged 29.3 points per game, which outpaces Tiny Archibald by 4 points a game. Oscar Robertson was an animal. When he played. And someone where I look at his stats each time. And I'm like, God, he should, I should have my top 10. He was an all-star each year of his career except for the last two. And in those last two years, he still averaged 15.5 and 12.7. In his rookie year, where he won rookie of the year, 30.5 points per game leading the league in assists. Lead, led the league in assists six times. His best season he had was with the Royals 63-64 where he won the MVP 31 points per game, 11 assists, 9.9 rebounds, almost a triple-double. Oh, and by the way, when Oscar Robertson averaged his triple-double, the one that Russell Westbrook chased for that whole year after Kevin Durant left, that was in Oscar's second year in the league. 30.8 points per game as a sophomore, 23 years old. 11.4 assists led the league. He led six times led the league in assists. 12 and a half rebounds. It wasn't even close. Like it's not even like a 10.1 in anything. It's not a 10.0. 12 and a half assists on 11.4 rebounds on 30 points. If it's not Oscar, I don't know who it could be. It is not close. My shooting guard. Alright, so outside of a few people, this is really tough. Because Sacramento didn't have a ton of success. I mean, they won the finals when I think they were their second year in the NBA. They had one year in the BAA, then... Their second year in the NBA, they won the finals. And then they didn't make, let's see here. They made the conference or division finals a couple times. There's a lot of first round exits. And then they went on that drought from 06 to 2023 of not making the playoffs. And then their first year in the playoffs, in some time, they lose in the first round. Excuse me. So, there's a, it's like, these guys aren't on your radar at all, honestly. I decided to go with Mitch Richmond. In his seven years with the team, he averaged 23 points per game, 3.7 rebounds, 4.1 assists. Again. That's pretty good. I mean, Mitch Richmond, again, known more 
for his run TMC days in Golden State. But, I mean, this is after those days, obviously. He only had three years of Golden State, which to me is kind of crazy because when I think Mitch Richmond, I think Golden State 100%. Um, but he became an all-star in Sacramento and honestly probably got his Hall of Fame bid from being in Sacramento. So I give it to Mitch Richmond. Small forward. Again, a tough position. I went with Metal World Peace, who's Ron Artest at the time. Um, let's see here. In Sacramento, he averaged 18.9 points, 5.9 rebounds, 3.6 assists. Again, not bad. That's in three years, though, so it's kind of skewed. Um... But, I mean, he, his only all-star was in Indiana. When I think Ron Artest, Metal World Peace, I don't think Sacramento. I kind of do because I had basketball cards with him in Sacramento, so it's kind of there. But I think Indiana for reasons. Um, <laughs> good Lord. Uh, that, yeah, you know what? Malice at the Palace. Think of him in Indiana, but he was pretty dang good in Indiana. Now, again, he became an all-star. And then I think L.A. That's all I think of. And, again, when I think of L.A., like, that shot in the finals I kind of think of, but I I really do think about him elbowing James Harden right in the temple. Um, again, not <laughs> – I, I found it kind of weird he had Metal World Peace. That was his name. He changed his name to Metal World Peace because – I don't know why, but when I think of Ron Artest slash Metal World Peace, I think of those two moments. I think of Mouse of the Palace, and I think about that elbow to James Harden. A heck of a player, a really good defensive player. I mean, he won Defensive Player of the Year in 03-04. Four-time All-Defensive Player of the All-Defensive all Team. Um, but I don't know why. I just can't get it out of my head. But f for this... He is my all-time Sacramento Kings small forward. Power forward, Chris Webber. This was an obvious one for me. I mean, it's C-Webb. Um, the Kings were so successful in the 90s and early 2000s because of Chris. So I was like, yes. My center, DeMarcus Cousins. Again, it's a it's a tough position. <laughs> Um, but DeMarcus was really one of my obvious picks just because when that his like last year in Sacramento before he got traded, he was dropping like 30, like every five games or like 40 and he'd throw it one in there. I think at one point he had a 50 game, an incredible player for the Kings. I just wish they would have surrounded him with something better. So he would have stayed. My sixth man, Tiny Archibald, in his time in Cincinnati slash Kansas City, six seasons, 25 points per game, second best all-time for the whole franchise. 2.8 rebounds, eight assists a game. The only player to lead the league in points and assists 34 points per game on 11.4 assists and the fact that he wasn't MVP kind of makes me mad if we go to the 72-73 season where he did that oh 72-73 uh, season where he did that MVP was Dave Cowens averaging 20 and a half points a game 16.2 rebounds 4.1 assists I I don't I just don't believe that at all. Tiny, amazing. Uh, even after his career was over, he was really influential. I think he was God Sham God's like gym teacher. And if you don't know God Sham God, look him up. Some of the craziest handles you'll ever see to like not make it at all, like be that successful in basketball is crazy. 
but uh, I think I'm pretty sure Tiny Archibald was his gym teacher. Backup shooting guard, I had I can't believe it's saying this. Tom Van Arsdale was like surprisingly good. Um, fifteenth all time in points per game for the Kings at nineteen point two. 5.1 assist, rebounds, 2.4 assists. I mean, pretty good. And that's in six seasons, too. So, like, I hate to say it because, you know, he went to Indiana. But at the same time, he's from Indiana. So, I'll give it to him. Three-time All-Star as well. And I think those were all in Cincinnati. Yeah, all in Cincinnati. So, good enough. I'll go to Tom Van Arsdale. Four, let's see here. My eighth man, Jerry Lucas. Now, it's tough because for me, when I think Jerry Lucas, I kind of think New York, but he was only there three seasons. But he was so integral in winning them a championship. Uh, him and Bill Bradley had a secret language. It's so funny. You just have to look it up. Like, they would actually speak in tongues to each other and confuse the defense or offense, whatever it was. But almost every year he was an all-star. He was in Cincinnati. The one exception is 1971 where he was an all-star in San Francisco. But, I mean, right from the get-go as a rookie. I mean, he was a rookie of the year. We got a lot of rookies of the year so far. 17 points per game, 17 rebounds. His rebound number, he almost averages as much points as he does rebounds. His second year, 21 points, 20 rebounds. His third year, 21.5 points, 21 rebounds. In 67, he averaged 17 points per game, 19 rebounds. So he out-rebounded his points. Uh, 21 points per game in 68, 19 rebounds. 18.3 points per game in 69, 18.4 rebounds. And then, yeah, that's his tenure in Cincinnati. Until he got, he got moved halfway through the year, not even halfway, right at the beginning of the year in 1970, where he averaged 10.3 points and 11.3 rebounds for Cincinnati in four games. So, I don't know about that. But Jerry Lucas 100% deserves being here. Yeah, um, It was tough between him and C-Webb. But uh, I just went with C-Webb. Number nine, Wayne Embry. Uh, kind of... I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, five-time All-Star, but kind of underwhelming when you look at his stats. Like, you got to scroll down quite a bit to find him. He's number 49 in points per game, and that shouldn't matter. But you would think guys would be, like, top 30. 14 points, 10 rebounds, though, and one assist, but he's a center. In eight seasons, a double-double. I'm good with that. Um, let's see here. Number 10, Peja, Peja Stoyakovic. Um, yeah, this is a, if small forward was tough. It really was that, that tough to find people. Where even is Peja? He's, he can't be this far down the list. I just hit Trey Lyles. Okay, 22nd all-time in points per game, 18.3, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. Not bad. He can shoot it. He did that in 8 seasons. Um, like, the shooter on those Kings teams with C-Webb. I'll take it. And then 11 and 12, I had to give love to the most recent Sacramento Kings team. Had to throw in De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox was going on this roster no matter what. Um, his past season was incredible. The playoffs were amazing. I I love De'Aaron. Um, yeah, just a great player. I don't think it's tough with this because I don't think he'll be able to crack rotation technically um, because of Tiny and Oscar are just so incredible. But I think De'Aaron will stay on this list. And then number 12, I threw in Demonis Sabonis just, again, to give love to the newer team. I still wish he was in Indiana, but that we got to move on from that. A couple people that I left out that were 
right there um, are two people that create an incredible story. Jack Twyman and Maurice Stokes. Maurice Stokes was on his way to being like a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, in his three years, he was averaging incredible numbers. If I can find them here. Um, Maurice. I always just forget that control F is kind of a thing. Maurice Stokes. In his time. Nope. His whole time was in Cincinnati. Well, Rochester and Cincinnati. Um, he averaged 16.4 points per game. 17 rebounds and 5 assists. An incredible rebounder. Three-time All-Star in all three years that he played. 56-57, rebounding champ, three-time All-NBA, along with 55-56, Rookie of the Year. So, an incredible player. One night, I think in Cincinnati, I want to say. I just watched a video. I got this from a basketball love story, which I've mentioned plenty of times. I think... It's the best, like, ode to basketball anyone could ever do. I think it's better than the 30 for 30s, um, even though it's produced by ESPN. So, I mean, it's kind of a 30 for 30 in its own. But it is everything you want to know about basketball from the women's game to the NBA to Olympic basketball. I wish it would touch more on, like, Indiana high school basketball because, I mean, come on. Um, but it's just an incredible piece of documentary, I guess, even even though it's more like a historical look back at something like through, it's an anthology pretty much. Um, but, and he plays a game where he gets hit hard going into the lane he kind of gets he goes unconscious for a couple minutes seconds I'm not sure I didn't really say gets back up finishes the game they go to Detroit has a sluggish game um, gets sick in the locker room like throwing up but someone else on the team was throwing up at the same time in the bathroom so they think it's the flu that's just going through the team he gets worse when they get to the airport they take off. Um, he starts, he passes out, like he, it gets worse and worse. Um, they, so they say, just keep pushing on to Cincinnati. We'll have an ambulance waiting for him. Gets there in Cincinnati. He is in a coma and the next, after a while he wakes up, he's paralyzed. Can't do any, cannot move anything. Cannot even speak. They say here on Basketball References, post-traumatic, oh God, encephalopathy, to where, I looked it up last night, but I kind of forget, so I will look it up again. Chronic traumatic encephalopathy, according to NIH.gov is a persistent brain tissues injury which could be caused by more severe trauma, brain contusion, and endocranial bleeding. The clinical picture of this disease entity is not unambiguous. Okay. Um, So he's paralyzed. Can't do anything. He's not going to play again. Jack Twyman would say he's at the height of his career. You wake up. You go to sleep one night, hide your your career, and then you go to sleep and you wake up and you are paralyzed. Um, No one really wanted, not that anyone didn't want to, but no one took care of Maurice for a while. I mean, he was just abandoned. No one, none of his family was in Cincinnati. Not really any of the players except for Twyman lived in Cincinnati. Uh, Twyman said we have to take care of him to his family and that's what they did um, 
and didn't have Maurice never lived with them, but they would he would come over almost every Sunday for dinner. He'd start to get better. He'd be able to kind of speak. He'd be able to communicate, kind of learn how to gain that muscle memory back, although it was never to full strength again. Um, But the bills for Maurice were astronomical, like $100,000 a year, I think. So they put on a little event. Milton Kutcher was the owner of Kutcher's Hotel in New York. And according to Wayne Embry, known for basketball, Wilt Chamberlain worked there quite a bit over the summers. And apparently those were big-time games before AAU. Um, The games that would be played between hotels is really how you showed off your skills. So, they already had a court. He's like, I'll provide rooms, food, anything you want. The court, get people to come out here and we will raise money for Maurice. And the people they got is unbelievable. Wilt Chamberlain would play. I mean, obviously, he was already there, I guess. But Bill Russell came out. Jerry West, Elgin Baylor. Uh, you saw Kareem. Probably when he was Lou Alcindor. Um, everyone, like... Every All-Star. It was just like a summer All-Star game, pretty much. And they would raise enough money. and it, He was able to keep living until the age of 35. He died of a heart attack. It was all because his teammate stepped up and said, we have to take care of this guy. And then that, that all led on to the labor union for the NBA. They gained benefits. Trainers became part of the team. All important, um, and it was all because of what happened with Maurice. An incredible story. If you, if you have ESPN Plus, watch Basketball Love Story. They do a way better job of explaining that than I did. All right. All Prime. Again, I think my picks here will help explain what this is. The all-prime team. If I was to look at this team and be like, man, imagine if they were in their prime when they were with the Kings. What could have happened? But put them all together. My point guard. This, I, I kind of forgot about this because I've only heard of one thing. It was only one season, seven games, actually. Bob Cousy. Came out of retirement. He was retired for six years. Came out of retirement. I think he was the coach of the Royals at the time. But it was like, I think it was a player coach thing. Let's just see here. Yeah, their coach is Bob Cousy. He played in seven games. Unbelievable, honestly. Yum. And I remember when I saw this, I was like, oh, yeah. Because I have this thing where at some point I would like to own every basketball, every Sports Illustrated where the cover has to do with basketball. I got quite a bit, but I have like none from the Koozie era, even though he was on like four or five covers. And this was one of them to where it was like questioning why, like why is Bob Koozie in Cincinnati, I think here I can look it up. Bob Cousy, Sports Illustrated. Um, Cincinnati. Go over to images. Yeah, Bob Cousy upheaval in Cincinnati, and I'm assuming it's just kind of questioning what, why. <laughs> But yeah, um, Bob Cousy was on the Cincinnati Royals, so I hope that makes sense to where it's like, God, imagine Bob Cousy, like, prime Celtics Bob Cousy running, like, running the fast break, doing everything, dribbling with one hand. (laughs) Imagine him with the Royals. 
Shooting guard. Vince Carter was on the Kings for a year. I don't think that's a that should be a surprise to anyone. But man, imagine prime Vince Carter. Let's go. You can hear go like late Raptors, early Nets. Vince Carter, just the most athletic freak you could ever imagine. My God, imagine him on the Kings. Small forward. Kind of weird because when I think of this player, I kind of think of the Kings, but Sharif Abdur-Rahim, not in his prime. But again, the small forward position was tough on everything. I don't know why. And this is where the all-prime team, it like, it gets kind of tough to do. It's easy to do this with the Lakers because everyone wants to go to L.A. It was easy to do with the Heat because everyone wants to go to Miami. But it's teams like the Jazz I struggle with for this. I think I struggled with the Bucks quite a bit on this. It's just, it's not a destination, you know? Like, if when I do this with the Pacers, it will be extremely tough. Because who wants to come to Indiana who is, like, notable outside of being a Pacer? It's going to be really tough to do. Will I figure it out? Yeah. I mean, because there's plenty of guys. Someone will be on there at some point. They'll be like, oh, my God, they were there. But after a while, you go, you have to dig. You'd be like, oh, yeah, this guy was something. Um, power forward is Bob Love. Um, an incredible player for the Bulls. Apparently he was on the Kings at some point. I think it, that might've been when they were still Cincinnati. Uh, love, love, Bob Love. Played two seasons, six, seven. So this was... Oh, the beginning of his career in Cincinnati. Huh. He played power forward his rookie year and then small forward. But, I mean, he's a Hall of... Bob Love's not a Hall of Famer. All right, we got to make that happen. Three-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA, three-time All-Defensive. Not a Hall of Famer. Um, I don't know how that happens. But Bob Love, definitely my all-prime power forward. My center... Kind of a hack, but at the same time not, because he did win Rookie of the Year. Ralph Sampson, um, he was in Sacramento. Yeah, 83-84 Rookie of the Year. Four-time All-Star. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, but he's he's a Hall of Famer for his time in Virginia. Uh, All-Star MVP at one point. Um, injuries kind of took him down. But, I mean, I'm just thinking... You can have this be rookie Ralph Sampson because, I mean, he was probably just as good. But imagine, like, Virginia Ralph Sampson. Just, like, that, an incredible player, Virginia. Think, what, th- four, three or four-time National Player of the Year? Never going to see that again. Just, you're not. Seven foot four, dominated everyone. Wasn't able to win a championship, though, so... It's kind of awkward. But Ralph Sampson was an incredible player. If you go and watch the uh, Survive and Advance 30 for 30 about NC State, listen to how they talk about Ralph Sampson. Ralph Sampson was like the scariest person alive. It, it was almost like he ran the mafia or something. Like they just did not want to play him. And they had to like two different times. And they they won the one that mattered. But still, man. So, Ralph Sampson's my center. My backup point guard, Rajon Rondo. Rajon Rondo deserves so much more credit for his time in Boston. There's, like, there's a couple guys where I'll go and, like, just watch their highlights for fun. When I go to point guards, like, it's magic, obviously. But, like, more contemporary ones. I don't go to Chris Paul. I don't go Jason Kidd. I don't go Steve Nash. I go watch Rajon Rondo highlights. He was incredible. Some of the passes he would get off are ones that I swear to God, you're not going to see them ever again. Rajon was incredible and was with the Kings for a couple years with Boogie. So, um, yeah, Drew and Rajon. Number seven, 
This is it. The center position was tough. I threw in Clyde Lovelett, but he technically had his best season with the Kings, even though he wasn't an all-star. Let's see here. He was an all-star with the Lakers, I believe. Hall of Famer, four-time all-star, three-time champion. Yeah, he was two-time all-star in Minneapolis and then two-time in St. Louis. But not with the Royals, even though he averaged 23 points per game and 12 rebounds. Um, I have a, kind of a connection with Clyde Lovelett. Um, Clyde Lovelett went to Terre Haute Garfield. Obviously in Terre Haute, Indiana. Um, and they were a force to be reckoned with when they, when they played, they made it all the way to state championship, but they lost to, uh, kind of my local high school, uh, Shelbyville back in 1947. Um, my uncle who has been passed for some years now was a part of that team I never. I don't think he played all that much. I, I would have to ask my aunt again, but um, he was on that state championship team, and uh, I've been to the Hall of Fame in the in Newcastle, taking pictures. Where I mean, he's he's there in the picture celebrating with the team. He wasn't the guy on the team. The guy was Bill Garrett, who I mentioned before. I think in my Indiana high school basketball podcast was Bill Garrett is very important because he's the first African-American to play in the Big Ten, and he played for IU. Uh, he's from Shelbyville, right where I am from. I mean, I'm like a 20-minute drive from Shelbyville. Um, Yeah, my uncle was a part of that team, and they beat Clyde Lovelett. Clyde Lovett went on to play at Kansas, then went on to the NBA to play for the Minneapolis Lakers. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, I I always like telling that story. I, I like seeing Clyde Lovett's name just because it makes me think of that and how awesome that is. Uh, number eight, another Indiana guy, Zach Randolph. Imagine, I guess technically you'd go with Grizzly Zach Randolph. But, yeah, I absolutely love Zebo. Um, again, he's from Indiana. I got, got a rep. Um, but, yeah, threw in Zebo. May get starting bid on this team. I'm not sure. You can go either way between him and Bob Love, I think. Number nine, backup shooting guard was tough. I looked at Bob, not Bob. I looked at uh, Marco Bellinelli, but I don't know. I went with Nick Anderson, um, you know, flying a lion eye, um, the magic, which, yes, I know what he's known for. He's known for missing those free throws, but I, I don't know. We're really going to define this guy's career on that? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I know. He missed those free throws in the finals. I understand. The Magic would have won championship. If, you know, Shaq and Penny would have probably stayed together for until Penny got really injured. But I threw him in there just because why not? Uh, my backup small forward. I was going to do Trevor Ariza. But then I saw this guy, even though that he had kind of worse stats. I was like, I don't care. I'm throwing him in. Darnell Hillman. If you don't know him, he played for the Pacers in the ABA. Known as Dr. Dunk. And this is before... Uh, Daryl Griffith was Dr. Duncanstein. Dr. Dunk. Um, I have met Darnell Hillman three different times. <laughs> I went to uh, like a Pacers camp in Shelbyville where he was there with Orlando Johnson <laughs> when he was a rookie um, out of UC Santa Barbara. He, I went to like a mini camp for... These were like mini camps for a day. I went to a camp at, at my high school. He was there. Um, 
And then I met him at the local racetrack in Shelbyville where they were doing, it was a whole event. There were a bunch of people were signing stuff. Um, though, like a bunch of ABA Pacers were there. And the only one I knew was Darnell Hillman because that was like my dad's favorite player. My dad had a signature from him from way back, like in the probably 73, 74. Um, and then when I was there, we dug that old signature up and we had him sign over it with a Sharpie because he did it in pen before. I've, I have like a few signed things by Dr. Dunk. Um, but the amount of people that were there doing that signing that I did not know and I only knew Darnell Hillman is kind it kind of makes me upset because so many of them are gone. Like Slick Leonard was there. He signed like two different things for me. Mel Daniels was there. Um those were like the the big ones were like how how did I not know who these guys were? Again, I was I think I was like 10 at the time, so I kind of cut myself some slack. But I'm like, Mel Daniels was right there, and you had no idea. And I'm, I'm like a nervous 10-year-old. I remember Mel Daniels, like, very nicely saying hello to me. And, um, God, if only I knew. I I probably could have stayed in that room for three hours talking with them. Uh, they probably would have kicked me out after, like, two minutes. But, um, you're like, kid, get the line moving. Um, but yeah, it upsets me. So I threw in Darnell Hillman, Dr. Dunk, uh, the amount of stories that <laughs> I hear that I've heard from him, like there'd be contests where someone would put a hundred dollar bill on the backboard and they say, if you can grab it, you can keep it. And he would get it easily. Uh, I, f- I'm almost certain he was a part of the first ever dunk contest. The ABA dunk contest where it was him, Dr. J, um, David Thompson, Artis Gilmore. Um, let's see here. Blah, da, 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 da. Let's go participants. Not this year. A B A B A Um Let's see here. I can pull up the video and I can go to the description. Artist Gilmore, Kentucky, George Gervin, Larry Keenan, David Thompson, Julius Ernie. Oh, so he wasn't a part of it. Okay. I could have swore alright, whatever. Um, but yeah, I threw in Darnell Hillman just cause I've met him a few times. I have some signatures. Uh, it's, I think it's a cool story to tell. Number 11, Mahmoud Abdul Ralph also knows he was Chris Jackson, but, uh, a really good point guard out of LSU went to Denver. That's where I think people know him from. He was there in the rainbow, uh, Jersey era, but then also like the weird, not kind of weird, honestly, uh, like navy blue, dark gold, and red um, jerseys. He was there with Dikembe pretty much the whole time, I think. Um, but, yeah, he was part of the Kings for a little bit. So, I threw him in as a third-string point guard. And then number 12, I just threw in Jim Jackson because, again, the shooting guard position. It was like Marco Bellinelli or Jim Jackson or Nick Anderson. Um, another person I was kind of considering Bob Boozer as a power forward, but it was kind of, again, underwhelming stats. So, um, yeah, to go through it again, all timers, Oscar, Mitch Richmond, Metal World Peace, Chris Weber, DeMarcus Cousins, and then my sixth man being Tiny Archibald, followed by Tom Van Arsdale, Jerry Lucas, Wayne Embry, Peja, Peja, Peja Stojakovic, Darren Fox and Demas Sabonis just there, not really getting a ton of minutes. And then all prime, Bob Cousy, Vince Carter, Sharif Abdurrahim, Bob Love, Ralph Sampson. Six man is Rajon Rondo, followed by Clyde Lovelett, Zach Randolph, Nick Anderson, Darnell Hillman, 
Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf, and Jim Jackson. And those are your all-time and all-prime Rochester slash Cincinnati Royals slash Kansas City slash Rochester slash Cincinnati slash Kansas City Omaha Royals slash Kansas City slash Sacramento Kings. (laughs) It's a weird history, kind of. Um, But yeah, that will be it for this episode. Wow, we just hit the hour mark. That's kind of crazy. Might be a little bit less, but I think I have stuff to cut. Um, But that will be it for this week. I want to thank you for listening. Uh, Just be sure to follow me on Twitter, at DFR00, and I'll talk to you next week. Peace.